Well, good morning. If you haven't noticed by now, I seem to be struggling with many things this morning. <laughs> not sure what I'm doing. Some days are just that way. You know? And um, those are days that we should be really thankful for because they remind us that we are so dependent on Him for just every moment of our days, even in the simple things sometimes. And, um, uh, Jennifer, would you pray for the Word this morning? Before I get into what uh, my homily is, I noticed that the presence of holy water drew attention this morning. So I just want to um, assure you that if you're not familiar with holy water, that it's a, it's a forever tradition in the church. And it's one of those things that um, I've learned to use for my benefit. Uh, to help cleanse and to uh, when things are just not quite right and you're wondering what's going on, sometimes uh, just remembering that uh, the faithfulness of God in that and then using what God has given us at disposal um, to use can sometimes remove some do do real demonic stuff that's just driving you crazy with the little things, the little foxes as it says in the Song of Solomon. You know, the, uh, so any, if you have questions about holy water and the use of it and where it comes from and all that kind of stuff, just uh, get with me and we'll sit down and I'll explain it to you the best I can. We have a, an actual little booklet that uh, our first patriarch, uh, Bishop Adler, did that uh, explains uh, the use of holy water and incense. Unfortunately, it's kind of out of print, but I have a copy and we can sit down and I can, uh, if you need... If you want to read it, I can make some copies. I think on a copy machine, maybe, and we can, you can have them, and uh, so that you feel more comfortable with it. We will be getting some bottles, and so you were for you to get uh, holy water if you want it, so that you can use it at your home. Um, and uh, you know, it's a uh, highly suggested that you use it anytime that you've uh, maybe had someone in your home that is struggling with addictions or any type of issues and stuff that uh, you just kind of use the water and it'll kind of help cleanse your home from anything that they might leave behind to uh, trouble you in some way. Amen. Um, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians in the very first chapter. I really like to, as much as possible, to use the readings of the day for Sundays and during, and during weeks if doing a service then, but um, this is not one of those times. It's a, I, 
as I was before the Lord, he just kept bringing me back uh, to one particular verse that we'll get to a little bit later. And then he began to expand upon that, that verse. Um, one of the big problems that we have as Christians, that Christians have, is that we're not very clear on what we believe. You know, we, we stay kind of a little bit mixed up about it. Uh, because it, it doesn't, our, what we are called to believe doesn't fit our experience in the moment. And so when we're experiencing something that's difficult and hard, we have a tendency to forget how simple our Christian life is. And so um, this is kind of, I'm hoping that this will help you. It's helped me because one of the verses, and when I get to it, I'll explain it to you, was uh, really a part of me coming here. And also, but anyway, in First Corinthians, the first chapter, the fourth verse, Paul is telling, writing to the Corinthians, and um, remember now that the Corinthians were kind of like a little crazy, you know, they were really kind of getting out there, you know, and they was doing some stuff that were like that was pretty bad and horrible stuff that if, you know, that well. I start to say stuff that's going on in the church today that there'd be a problem with it. And there, there is stuff going on in the church today, this very kind of stuff, and there is problems with it. And we see one of the biggest churches in the world having tremendous problems and having to, to redo church, their churches. And, and uh, I think they've actually closed one for a short period of time to, to kind of reorganize and go, what's going on here? Uh, but Paul's writing to this, this, this kind of people, a people that's kind of in a little bit of a disarray. That's, I think they're arguing with each other, and of course we know the story of the man and his father's wife and all that that's going on. Uh, but in the very beginning of this, Paul is writing to them, and he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him and in and all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm, and that word confirm, of course, can be uh, translated as established, so who will also establish you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful to whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The enemy attacks the faithfulness of God in our mind so often. And most of our problems, I think, is when we forget that it's, it's not about us, it's about Him. It's not about our faith, it's about His faith. It's not about our abilities, our understanding, our knowledge. That it's about His and about His faithfulness to who He is. And so we get into situations and we start condemning ourselves because we're not good enough, we're not righteous enough, we're not doing it. You know, uh, we make up silly rules. I remember many years ago, as as a Christian, I was uh, learning about uh, contemplative prayer and prayer and being before the Lord and all that kind of stuff and uh, being a little crazy, I decided that I was going to pray like two hours a day. 
you know. And uh, boy, that was a pretty dumb idea. You know, not that not that praying two hour two hours a day is dumb, but the fact that there was no chance that I could do that at that point in my life. Uh, I mean, I was like good for two minutes, and then began the struggle. And so, but in doing that, it was it, it was all about me and my faithfulness, or the like thereof. And so much of the time in our Christian life, the enemy brings that up to us and throws that up in our face over and over and over again. Well, you're not very good. You're this, you're that, you're not doing this, you're not, you're, like, you're responding bad, or you're not praying enough, you're not reading enough, and all. Uh, you know, and um, that's just not God's ways with us. What he wants us to understand is that he is the one that is faithful. And also, if you turn to Romans, uh, Paul is speaking uh, to the Romans here. Just, uh, and of course, he's not ta he's talking about something a little different, but it, it is about the faithfulness of God and uh, the thing that we have to remember. Paul, in the third chapter of Romans, in the third verse, he's addressing. He says. What then? If some did not believe, or maybe we could rewrite this a little bit to, to fit us. What then, if some of you don't believe, does your unbelief, will it nullify the faithfulness of God? Will it? And of course, the way it reads, Paul writing to them is that, What then, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? And he says, which... Uh, I always picture about Paul as being a very passionate guy, and so they put an exclamation mark here. May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar, as it is written. Or maybe we could say, every man be found unfaithful, or faithless even. See, in those times when uh, we're being condemned so much about our like of something, our lack of faith. Uh, we need to remember it's not about your faith. It, you know, uh, and I know I'm kind of maybe, I might be stepping on some toes a tiny bit. If that's, a, that's okay, uh, you should be wearing steel-toed shoes then. Because we've been taught over the years by the faith movement, or name it and claim it movement and stuff, that it's all about you and what you do and whether you have faith or don't have faith. I remember in the early 70s, I was working in a ministry of, uh, where we took care of alcoholics and, and uh, people like me, hippies, that were hitchhiking around the country, and uh, we clothed them and fed them and preached to them and shared with them and cried with them and laughed with them and kicked them out of the house because we had zero policies. Uh, but I lived and worked in that ministry and in that ministry, the man who founded the ministry founded on the principles of George Muller. And if you don't know anything about George Muller, you should read all you can about George Muller. Because he took care of up to, I believe it got as high as almost 3,000 kids, orphans in England, in a time when they, people didn't take care of orphans in England. Uh, and he was responsible for that many kids, and he never, ever asked for anybody's funding or help. 
he made he would let people know that there was that there were needs after needs were met. And God did it and provided for all those kids. And part of what George Muller's deal was in his walk was to prove the faithfulness of God. And so Alan, the man who founded the ministry, that's where this ministry was founded. And so we never we would go to churches, churches would have us come to the churches, and then they'd fuss at us because we would just share what God was doing. We didn't share about our needs. We never talked about how, you know, how we might need, was needing clothes or was needing food to feed all these people or needing money to pay for uh, electric or what. We never talked about that. That was just not a part of our conversation. We just talked about God and the goodness of God. And so we was going to a charismatic church, and I had like a cold or something. And so they called, you know, said, uh, time for, you know, if you need prayer, come up and get prayed. So I went up to get prayed for, and this guy started praying for me and uh, to be healed and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it just wasn't working in that moment of time. And so he gave me the, the great charismatic thing of, well, you just need to have more faith. Yeah, and uh, and this man was was extremely wealthy because of the charismatic church he went to was at probably at that time the wealthiest church per capita of people that there was in the whole world because everybody everybody there but us were like really really wealthy. Everybody drove Jaguars, BMWs, and this is in the 70s. Uh, almost all the people there were extremely wealthy people. I mean, it's it wonderful God put them together in a charismatic setting like that of just two three hundred people is all it was at that time but anyway he's telling me about I needed more faith and I'm looking at him and I finally just said sir like you live in a multi-million dollar house and you drive a thirty forty thousand dollar vehicle and like you have an income that is ridiculous to for me to even comprehend and all of that and you meet all of your own needs. I said, I live in a ministry that we trust God for all of our needs. I said, I just don't know how to have more faith than to believe that God's going to provide for 50 to 60 people. I'm sorry. And so I had to begin to learn that it's not about my faith. About, it is about God's faithfulness. It's not whether I have faith or don't have faith. Now, I don't understand all the teachings on believing and faith and all that. All, there's, there's a place in there where, yes, we're called to believe, we're called to have faith. Absolutely. But, here, but even in our most faithless moments in time, God's faithfulness never fails. It's always there. And it's always calling to us. It's never condemning us in, ever, in any way. See, God knows us. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, and it's one of the great evangelical verses, right? Ephesians to explain faith and in, in becoming a Christian is that you're saved by grace through faith. But a lot of times they, they stop right there. That whole thing is that you're, you're saved by grace through faith. And that is not even of yourself. It's a free gift of God to you. So the very faith for you to become a Christian was not even your faith until God gave it to you and implanted that little mustard seed of faith into your heart to grow into something else. It's always His faithfulness to us that draws us in every single situation. If you turn to 2 Timothy 2. I've got my Bible all marked and everything. I still don't know where I'm at. I'm still not sure where I'm going each time. 
That's just that kind of a day. But in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. And again, that's, uh, well, it speaks to us very plainly. Paul, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Think about that. He cannot deny himself. And what is he? He's faithful. He's faithful to, to do that which he has started in each, in each one of us. Even when we're faithless, Paul is telling Timothy, even if we are faithless, even if we can just not pull ourselves up by our bootstraps of Christian faith, God help us when we do that because we're going to have to just relearn the lesson again sometime. That it's really not about us. It's really about His faithfulness and trusting in Him. And that's where we, I think we forget that as Christians because we want to do stuff, you know, like uh, my whole life, everything that I, most everything I did in my life, I did, I did so many different jobs, but most of the jobs that I did was jobs where I did something, you know, and like I did something and then there was this pile of stuff that I did. You know, sometimes it was a beautiful piece of furniture or cabinetry, and sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was a scrap, a pile of scrap that, were, that would be thrown away because it just didn't work. Most of us are that way as Christians, is we think that we're called to do something, and we forget what we're called to do. The one and only real calling that we have is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. That's our first calling. Our second calling is to love one another. And we can't do that without His grace being poured into our hearts. I'm reading some books right now by an author that he just really hammers that in a beautiful way and I may share those things with you as I read and be sure uh, of what I'm reading. But it's about that, that that ultimately we're just called to love Him and out of love for Him will flow everything else. It will just naturally flow. It will just naturally be the rivers of living water that flows from us. And we can do that uh, just by doing it and, or even wanting to do it. And Misty Edwards wrote a book and I don't remember the name of it. I should have looked it up. And one of the statements in that book that really touched my heart when I read it was she said that uh, even if you don't love God, if you want to, God counts that as love. Think about that. That even when you're in those places where you can't really, if you're being honest before God, and, and that, that's what will happen to you now. Let me just forewarn you. If you get before God, if you truly get before God, and, and where it's you and him and you're not there with a bunch of your stuff and ideas and you're, you're what you think it should be like and you're just there before him you're going to realize that you don't love him like he loves you and like you're called to love him then you have to realize that he's faithful and that the fact that you can confess your lack of love 
and say, but God, I want to love you more. He counts that the same as if you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Because he knows us. He called us before we ever knew him, knowing us fully and completely. And when he did that, he, God doesn't do failure very well. He remains faithful to his, to his calling to you. And, um, and so that brings me to 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it's somewhere here in my Bible. I had it marked one day. All right, come on. That's what happens when you try to do too many things. Well, God leads you with. Anyway, as I find First Thessalonians, the uh, get rid of all these markers. It's First Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, when I was in the process of making the decision as to whether to uh, take on this uh, to be rector, my father Ronnie uh, discerns his what his what he wants to do as far as retirement and all that kind of stuff. I believe it was on a Wednesday night. Uh, Bishop Jones was speaking about this, and I was still in that place of God. Does you know like? Really, God, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be 71 in a few, in a couple of weeks, and I'm going, oh, God, you know, like, really, at 70, 71, I'm going to be a rector of a church that has stairs, you know, like, I don't know, 71 and a half, I might, might not be able to get up the stairs, y'all may have to sit up here and have to shout up to y'all, uh, but all those doubts and confusion was in my head. But really, 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 although everything was pointing and everything, you know, still the enemy comes in <coughs> and reminds you of how inadequate you are for whatever the situation is. And I can tell you right now, in myself, in my natural abilities, strengths, and all those things, I am so totally inadequate. You know, but he isn't. And so Bishop Jones brought this, I, I don't even remember what he was speaking about because when, when he read this scripture, it just, it just, it was like that jump off the page, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and so now it's become one of my life verses for me now. It's the um, 24th verse of the fifth chapter. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. So I came here knowing that he is faithful and that he's called me to be here with you guys and that whatever his plans are for this parish, that he is faithful. It has nothing to do with my faithfulness, that he is faithful. Of course, my desire is to love him more and to be more faithful and to be in his will and to follow him as closely as I possibly can all of my life. And take a quick look at Hebrews 10. 
And so this is where this is where we're at sometimes. Sometimes we're at we're we're way up in the mountain on the mountaintop thing. We've got faith and we're just hammering it and it's like, you know, like you know, picking fights with the devil and beating him up because we're just in this place of of exorbitant love and faith and, and all of that. But other times we're not. Other times we're just in the sometimes we're deep in a valley feeling very hopeless. Other times we're kind of in the middle ground where we're kind of, we could go either way, you know, depends. But, and that's why we have these scriptures. It's to remind us that we can, it's not about us. It's about Him. But the writer of Hebrews, whether it was Paul or someone else, tells them this. In every situation, at all times, this is all we need to do, guys. It's just let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So we can hold fast to our confession of hope, our confession of faith. We don't have to waver. We can just stand and go, I believe in you, God, that you are faithful. That you will do what you have called me, called me to, to be and to do. That you will work out all the kinks and that you will always be there. You'll be always leading me and always guiding me. Even when I'm not able to see that. Even when I'm totally unaware of that. You are still there. You are still leading and you're still guiding. The, uh, one of the things that I think that we always need to always remember, it's such a practical thing, but we tend as Christians to forget that we learn mostly from our mistakes, not from our being triumphs or our victories. We really learn mostly from our mistakes. You know? And as Christians, our mistakes are really that, that we forget who He is and what He's doing. And we, and we start looking at ourselves more than we're looking at Him. And then we get, we get in that spiral downwards of, oh God, oh woe is me, rather than the spiral upward of, of love for him. Of that, um, that's one of our songs was saying, that, that, that inescapable love, that, that love that is so powerful and that calls to us continually and all. But our Christian life is a life of God calling us constantly to, and reminding us that he's calling us much, much more than he than we are calling to him at all times, and to just take have our hope in that, and just trust and believe in him. So just remember, he is faithful that has called you. He is faithful, and he, and he has called you. He's called each and every one of us. Then he is faithful to lead us and guide us, no matter what it looks like in the moment. And that's great for us to remember, for ourselves personally, but we also need to remember that when we see a brother or sister that may, may, that might not be doing so well. We need to remember that he's also faithful for that brother or that sister that may be really, really struggling in a moment of time, that God is faithful and that He will call them back. And for those who have children and grandchildren and 
spouses and mothers and dads that are not doing all that good, that's our belief. And that's our hope. Is that with me I've got you know, I've got one son, three grandchildren, and a daughter in law, and they're really not following the Lord very much. You know, they acknowledge God, but they're not really following God. But you know what? God is faithful. God is faithful and He will keep calling them and dragging them into His presence to experience His unfathomable love that He has for them. Amen? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.